Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Oh my God, last minute Christmas gift ideas, you guys, my two books. I know what I'm doing and other lies I tell myself and I can barely take care of myself are great books for the weird, child-free person in your life who's maybe approaching 40, maybe they're divorced, maybe they're single, maybe they're dating, maybe they're confused. All of these books are available everywhere books are sold. Go to jenkirkman.com slash books and check it out. And comedy tickets, what a great gift. Guys, I need you to sell out my shows in January. I am begging you to get tickets. Tell a friend, post about it on social media. Your word of mouth helps me immensely. Right now, we've got my new interview show, Real Talk, which is January 9th at the Hollywood Improv Lab. I will be interviewing Ioni Sky. January 2nd through 4th, I'm doing stand-up comedy at the Sacramento Punchline, five shows, and Sunday, January 12th, one show in San Diego at the American Comedy Company. Early show, 7 o'clock, will get you home in bed, ready for work on Monday. All tickets at jenkirkman.com or click jenkirkman.com, click tour. And looking ahead, May 7th through 9th, Caroline's Comedy Club in New York City. So please get people comedy tickets for Christmas. There you go. Enjoy this week's episode. Fondlessness, fondlessness, fondlessness. Having funlessness. Having funlessness. Having funlessness. With Jen Kirkman. Having funlessness, episode 316. This is the Having Funlessness podcast with Jen Kirkman. I am comedian Jen Kirkman. My Netflix specials are called I'm Gonna Die Alone and I Feel Fine. And then 2017's Just Keep Living. But this is where I go just to talk to you guys about what's going on in my head, what's going on in the world, what's going on in society, culture, stories from my real life, emails from you guys, questions, answers. It's just life. Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's serious. Always real. So this week, I think it's just sort of a holiday grab bag. I'm going to talk about, you know, a very controversial thing with one of the television networks that plays Christmas movies. I'm going to read one of your listener emails for people who need to get their shit together this Christmas. One of our listeners has some advice for you guys. I'm going to talk about women over 65 who do not want to live together if they're in a relationship. I'll read that article to you, what we shall discuss. And I might just get into, I'm just a little bit exhausted by the political scape. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I got to tell you guys, you know, I'm still recovering from this bronchial thing that was bronchitis. Then it turned into laryngitis. Then it was Inflamed bronchial tubes, then it was this, then it was that. It lingers. I've done all the remedies. I see all the doctors, steroids, antibiotics, healthy remedies, blah, blah, blah. It just lingers until it's gone. But, you know, this is the first week. You know, I've been working a full-time job for the last three weeks, but this is the first week that I 
did a show and then had a Christmas party to go to and I'm exhausted today and my breathing is labored and it's just a fucking pain in the ass. So this week I went to see a pulmonologist. Now I'd never seen one before and it's always funny when I realized that I'm going to a doctor who's a specialist and he's going to have a little bit more information than a primary care, but then he's going to send me five other places for tests that are not to be done that day. It's just like, it's never just like sit down and get an answer, you know? And so I saw this pulmonologist. He was great. I'm always surprised when they're young, which I call my age, you know, and they're listening. It's always such a thrill when a doctor sits down, looks you in the eye, and just lets you talk. Because as you know, my primary care physician is a complete asshole. And now that I've gone to a few other doctors, it's even more obvious that she's an asshole. Like, I went to her at the beginning of this, and once again, she blamed it on my anxiety, which anxiety does not make post-nasal drip. I'm sure in some some way it does. And we're all connected. The body's all connected. But you know what I mean. Every time I see my primary care physician, she goes through, like, as I'm sitting there, she's refreshing herself on my history. So she'll go, what are you in here today for? And I'll say, well, I've had this cough for about a week and I haven't slept in four days. And as I'm talking, she's reading going, sister had breast cancer. Uh, yeah, my sister had breast cancer. She's been cancer free 10 years. Anyway, so I have, but you get mammograms. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm here because so I, I can't breathe and I think I need my inhaler um, that I usually get, but I need a refill. So you're on... Um, What was that? There was just this crazy amount of knocking and I just got really scared. I'm in the studio, but I'm just going to let it go. And you're on the clindamycin lotion. What? No, I don't. I I don't know what that is. I think it's, um, oh, like an acne gel. No, I was on that once. I had like a, 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 I had a breakout like three years ago. Okay. But anyway, so my cough and she's like, anxiety and I go uh what because you have depression and anxiety I go well I mean not currently it's just a thing I've had in life and you know I'm yeah I but that's not it's everything's everything you're listing is managed manageable I'm I'm here though because I have a cough and she'll go you know a lot of times when we're anxious we think we can't breathe but we can I go that's great that's not what I'm here for um so then I go on and on, and, and as I'm talking, now she's putting the stethoscope on my lungs and going, don't talk, breathe in. She's like, there's nothing in your lungs. And I'm like, I didn't say there was. My bronchial tubes are inflamed, blah, blah, blah. She wasn't listening. She's doing that. I'm so freaked out. Hang on. Do you guys hear that knocking? So I'm in studio, and it's a Sunday. And it's myself and my producer, Mackenzie, but she's in a different room helping some other people. So I guess those other people are here too, but there's someone knocking on the back door. And I'm sure it's fine, but I keep thinking it's a murderer because you know how they usually knock first. And then I just locked the door to the studio that I'm in in case it is one and they can't get in. (laughs) Oh boy, my imagination. Anyway. Oh, now I'm going to go unlock the door because I just heard that it's a, not a murderer. So anyway, I get through the end of the, of the appointment and I said, listen, I'm just trying to get this steroid inhaler I get when I get sick because my asthma triggers all of this. And she goes, you have asthma? And I go, yes, it's listed in my list of ailments because I never noticed because you're always fixated on the anxiety everything I come in for it's like she doesn't know what it is she's utterly fascinated Uh, she's the worst so anyway I go to the pulmonologist and he's actually listening and that makes me talk more and I just said you know he said you know your asthma irritates this and that's why it gets swollen and you know we can do some breathing tests and you know she just get a chest x-ray just to you know And he's like, did you used to smoke? And I said, now, the pulmonologist office, to be fair, you know, you have to put your smoking history anytime you see any kind of doctor. And usually they don't even look at it or mention it. And they kept mentioning at the pulmonologist office. And I realize now as I'm talking, well, it's because they're lung doctors. So 
he said, you used to smoke? And I said, yeah. And he said, what age? And you know, at this point, I don't even remember how much I smoked. I always just say pack a day, but I don't think it was that much. It was definitely more than 10 because I was a, I would smoke one and then have another one right away. And I would do that at least six times a day. And so I probably had eight to 12 a day. And you know, this is back when you could smoke inside. So it was really easy to just always have a cigarette in your hand. And once I got to college, like smoking in my dorm room with two roommates who didn't smoke. I mean, that kind of just at like just complete disregard for other people's space because you could smoke inside everywhere. So you never thought to ask if it was fine or you would just go off oh, smoke when they're not in the room as though all their things just didn't reek of smoke all the time. But it's like I don't have a memory of things reeking of smoke all the time. I don't feel like I smelled like smoke. I swear to you, it's so noticeable now when someone smokes, but I I feel like it didn't used to be because everyone did or everything was always smoky. I don't know. I'm probably just not remembering. But I said to him, honestly, I don't remember. And I think I started roughly like I would started a, a curiosity with it in my teen years. And I had packs of cigarettes, but I would smoke a few a week. I don't really know. And then college, I mean, I really know how much it was. And then did I ever have periods where I quit for a long time? Like probably, but I don't remember. I Just in my mind, I just say like 18 to 30. But I think I quit for a while when I was dating this guy in New York. And he was like, I don't want to date a smoker. And, you know, I really like you. And if we go the distance, I don't want you dying when you're 50. And, you know, I live an active life. I mean, it was a really kind, nice thing to say. And so I quit. And then I think I started, I don't know. But it, there was at least 10 years where it was like regularly a part of something. And I thought, you know, everyone's like, your lungs repair themselves. But it doesn't mean that you haven't fucked with the molecules of your DNA. It doesn't mean that you haven't disturbed your bronchial tubes. I mean, it's not good to smoke, but I was under the impression, oh, you quit by 30, you're fine. That's like the Gen X, you know, thing. And so, uh, so he just kind of was like, yeah, it's not great. And then that made me nervous. And then I got my chest x-ray and I went to the place and then I looked at the x-ray when it was done. You know, I looked at the thing that the um, technician had taken and I went, oh my God, I thought there was a giant white tumor. I believe that just was my heart. And, uh, but I still don't have the results. I called my doctor 7,000 times on Friday and they were like, oh, he's not in the office today. We're going to leave him a message. And I said, just let him know that he can totally leave a message on my voicemail. It's just me. It's my cell phone. I don't care what it says. That's always what's so weird. I was like, it's not an STD test where like maybe you're living with someone and, you know, let's say I was married and my husband and I don't have STDs and we've been together 10 years and we've been tested for everything. And so if I had suddenly a new STD, like if I suddenly had crabs, it would probably point to the fact that I cheated on him. And, you know, maybe you want some privacy around that. Or maybe I live with my parents or something like that. And, you know, they're calling the ants. I mean, this is this is an old thing that doctors need to. By the way, do you love how I said it was a Christmas episode? It's totally not now. It's just about doctors. But delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Doctors... Like the most antiquated thing is that doctors do not leave messages because of confidentiality. But that dates back to the answering machine days. When you're living with your husband, there's no cell phones, only landlines. And if your doctor called you, you'd have to take the day off from work to take his or her phone call. And so they would leave a message on the machine and your husband comes home early and it's like, Thanks. This is the Johnsons. Please leave a message at the beep. Boop. Ah, uh, hello, Mabel. This is Dr. Uh, Doctorson. 
Uh, you do have herpes and crabs. It is a new infection. So you will need to call your partner and tell them that they gave it to you. And thanks. Boop. And the husband's like, what the fuck? And then Mabel comes home and she's like, hey, honey, what are you doing? You know. Sorry, I was getting a prop to make it. Hey, honey, you know, opens the door. What's going on? Why don't you tell me what's going on? Um, well, I had a long day at work, but I'm still going to make dinner. I just stopped by the seafood store. Oh, what did you get? Crabs? Crabs? No, those aren't in season. Why, why, why are you mentioning crabs? She gets all paranoid. He's like, why are you mentioning crabs? He says, well, were you going to mention the crabs? I don't know what you're talking about, but she totally does. And then he plays the message. Boop. Hello, this is Dr. Dr. Zen. But then the twist is that she's like, that's right. I don't know how I got these crabs. And then her husband is like, I've been having an affair with Mrs. Crabberson. And she's got lifelong crabs. And I got it from her and I passed it on to you. I'm not a good partner. And then they get a divorce. That is what that whole confidentiality sitch used to be. But now I have my own voicemail. It's not my work phone number. It's it's my cell phone. Hi, I've reached Jen's cell phone. Leave a message. Can leave it about anything. Can tell me uh, I have a flesh-eating bacteria. Ain't no one going to hear this but me. And you know what? I might not even hear it because I don't check my fucking cell phone voicemail. So anyway, I don't know the results, but On the fourth time that I called the office on Friday, the receptionist said, you know, I think if it was really urgent, he would have called, which is code for if he saw something, I don't think he'd just let 36 hours go by. But, you know, that put me a little bit at ease. So there you go. There's that. Um, We'll see what happens. So, you know, but feeling a little bit better, but just... It's. I need to still just go to work, go home, do some Pilates. You know, I can go to a Pilates class, but no, no more like being out. It's just a lot for my little lungs to be like talking loud at a party and like my voice. And everyone still keeps asking me, how's your throat? It's not a throat. It's vocal cords. Nobody here has a sore throat. Vocal cords are technically in the throat area, but a throat is different than vocal folds. Vocal folds, your throat can be coated with hot tea or soup. Liquid doesn't ever touch your vocal cords. If it does, you will begin choking and dying. It is the wrong tube, lube. So there's nothing you can do for your vocal cords. Staying hydrated is important. And one of the reasons it's important is because one of the last places that gets the benefits of drinking water are your vocal cords. So if you drink one glass of water a day, that's not going to do anything. You have to drink at least 64 ounces your, the rest of your body gets hydrated. So that's why if you're dehydrated, your vocal cords can dry out. It's not because liquid isn't touching them. Does that make sense? And so vocal folds are almost like a muscle. So every time you speak with damaged vocal folds, it is like a pro athlete with a sprained ankle jumping up and down on it. You really just are not supposed to talk at all until they're better. And that's just not a totally sustainable way of living, especially if you have a job. You know, if I were like a million dollar performer and I just went on the road and made 10 million a year and I could take a month off, I would. But I have a day job where I'm a writer and you can't go in there and go, I, I can't use my voice. I'm just going to hold up flashcards. So I just get annoyed when I go to parties. Oh my God, your throat. Do you want a cough drop? No, it's not my throat. It's vo- It's so annoying. It just, I just start looking at people going, you're so fucking dumb, dumb, you're dumb people. So I talked last week or on the things, yeah, I talked last week about sausage stuffing. (laughs) That sounds dirty. Um, No, about, you know putting sausage in stuffing. And I did get an email from a listener, Steph. Hey, Steph. I know Steph. She comes to a lot of shows. She said, okay, Jen, I have to weigh in. Sausage stuffing is a thing. My mother, who's from Upper Michigan. Oh, fancy. I'm from Upper Michigan, not Lower. 
um, has been making us sausage stuffing for 50 years. Not Italian sausage, Jimmy Dean ground. Oh, less classy. Um, As her mother did before her. And let me tell you, she's no highfalutin, bougie, bean sprout loving, pizza haute cuisine foodie. She thinks I'm a snobby capitalist pig because I spent $10 a piece on bath towels 15 years ago. And regardless of the snowflake warnings to the contrary, she stuffs that bird to the gills. So, bottom line, stuffing recipes appear to be a regional thing, so to each his own. There you go. So, you know what? Some people enjoy sausage in a stuffing. I think it's fucking weird. So, speaking of the holidays, there is a controversy, a controversy, as our European friends say sometimes. The Hallmark Channel. Everybody's been sending me this. I get it. There's also a sponsor on this show that seems to be having a problem with something. I got nothing to do with me. So it's like, guys, you got to cut the shit with this. Like, everyone has to be perfect. Um, Hallmark Channel controversy. Now, this is a giant bummer and it obviously goes against my values. Um, there is an ad for Zola, which I guess is a dating app. Well, let's read it. Um The Hallmark Channel pulled four TV ads featuring brides kissing each other on Thursday after a targeted campaign by a conservative group. So, yeah, this is what sucks is, oh, it's a wedding planning website called Zola. So, you know, I remember this used to happen to Howard Stern a lot when he was on terrestrial radio. Is these conservative groups boycott or they call in and they threaten and they literally write actual letters like snail mail, put it in an envelope, put it in the post box, whatever you call it, mailbox. And it frightens executives. There's nothing that frightens executives more like phone calls, emails and letters. And you don't even have to have that many. Your group could be 10 people big. And because you're the only ones making noise, they listen. So I think the best thing we can do is raise our voices to Hallmark. And see, I don't even think it needs to be accompanied by, I'm boycotting, I'm this. It's just saying I'm disappointed and this isn't right and this is your reputation and there's way more of us than there are of these conservatives who don't want to see two women kissing. I do believe that Hallmark probably believes that most of their audience is pretty conservative. I don't know the the makeup of their audiences, but Knowing how much of a fad Hallmark Christmas movies are, I do probably think it's pretty mixed. I think a lot of people watching are watching in a, I don't even mean ironic, but it's like their fun seasonal thing. I'm sure there's plenty of conservative people who don't want to see women kissing. But, you know, I've always just seen it as like, well, they don't have women kissing in their movies, you know, which is a problem, which is not the best that there's not a lot of gay or not any gay representation in their movies. And so I'm not surprised by this because I already knew going in. Yeah, that's not what they do. I'm not saying it's good or like, that's fine, but I'm not in shock that they pulled an ad. It is a little bit going next level for sure. And it's not good. And I disagree. And this kind of intolerance is, is just, there's just no place for it anymore. And there never was, but, it's just inexcusable at this point. Catering to your lowest common denominator. However, all that being said, I'm certainly not surprised, but people are asking me to weigh in. I don't know what you guys want me to do. Um, you know, when you are talking about the people that make decisions to pull ads. You're never talking about the lower level executives who are taking movie pitches. You know, it's like, I don't know anyone at Hallmark at that level. I can't do anything about it. It's not my emotional labor to do. I am a huge activist and always have been ally to um, LGBTQ, trans, everyone. I mean, this is fucking ridiculous that I'm getting... You know, of course, like the Twitter armies of people, you must speak out. What do you want me to do? It, it's like, yeah, it's bad. My friend Justin just texted me because he tweeted at Candace Cameron Beret. Any chance you'd be willing to support the gay community and convince the Hallmark Channel to be more inclusive? And she blocked him, which sucks because he knows her like he's been to parties with her and she has a lot of gay friends. So I don't think blocking someone. I mean, that's pretty crazy. So this is not good. 
It's certainly a, a giant bummer. Um, so we'll just we'll just have to keep watching this space. But the point is, nervous executives that are in charge of ads, they have no judgment. They have no ability to actually understand how many people are actually complaining. And you know what? The people are going to watch their movies anyway, even if there's an ad with two women kissing. They just will. They're either fast forwarding through the ads. They're getting up and like checking on their pie in the oven during the ads. Nobody is actually going to stop watching Hallmark. But who will stop are the people who are, you know, offended by such flagrant uh, displays of intolerance. So they will lose viewers, you know. And so, uh, yeah, I don't know what else to tell you. Do I make the switch to Lifetime? I mean, I actually haven't been watching any of these movies at all at all this year because of my new job. And I'm mainly watching stuff that pertains to my job. So I'm already on a boycott, but um, I don't know what else to tell you. So that there's that. Um, but yeah, Ask, this is bad. Asked to explain why the ads have been rejected an employee of Hallmark's parent company. See, again, this isn't the Hallmark Channel network executives. This is Hallmark, the parent company, said the channel did not accept ads that are deemed controversial, um, but declined to comment on why a nearly identical ad featuring a bride and groom kissing was not rejected. So I don't know if we're going to win this battle, but we keep fighting it every step of the way. You know, the Hallmark Channel had its first real obvious egregious act we've all subtly known well they don't really have inclusivity in their movies but you know well this is the first time you know it's like oh the first bomb has been thrown or the gauntlet has been thrown down something's been thrown and so now we respond by showing our support i mean i think to me it's always like flipping it on the positive. It's not so much about signaling, I won't do this anymore, but showing support for the gay community and saying the fact that people are pulling ads. It's it's about that. It's not about, I'm boycotting. That's great, but it's about showing support. And that's what I've been trying to do with politics. I'm having, you know, I don't go on my Bernie rants or anything like that anymore just because the trolling was too insane. And I I don't feel like I live in a world anymore where people just have a nuanced enough look at anything. And and he's, you know, as I predicted four years ago, he's not going away. And he's convinced his followers that anyone who doesn't like him is anti-Semitic or so rich that they fear him because he's going to take away their money. He's a millionaire and he paid the Trump easy millionaire 15% tax this year. And if his tax returns show that he does not give to charity. He is rich, not me. I am not, if I were rich, I would not be afraid of my money being taken away because money begets money. You earn interest and you're still getting rich. I'm not worried about people coming for my money because I'm not naive enough to believe that my money is all that much affected when people's health care gets taken care of. Yeah, taxes go up, fine. My taxes have always sucked. And I pay an agent, a manager, and a lawyer every fucking paycheck. So I've always made 40% of my income. You know, I personally do not care. And I also know that a healthy society can only benefit me. An educated society can only benefit me. I am a true fucking progressive liberal. And he has convinced his nation of reactionary people who do not know what to do with their inherent anxiety at being alive and knowing they're going to die someday, they are attacking people on the internet to feel self-righteous. And when you push back, they use that un-nuanced view of, well, you must disagree with me. So there's nothing you can do. It's a cult type of mentality. They are convinced he is the only candidate that can get this done. They do not understand I, I, I just don't think they understand how politics and legislation works. He's been in that goddamn House Senate for 30 years. He has not passed a health care resolution. He had tried in the name of perfection to just undo Obamacare completely instead of building and adding on to it. So I just can't win. 
And it makes me very nervous that that it's between he and Biden. I, you know, what will happen if Bernie's a nominee? I'm not sure. I just think his culture that he's cultivated is so toxic that I think on just one basic level, it would just be heartbreaking. Um, It's just so toxic against women. And I do believe people of color. And it's like you just kind of got to be down and dirty and deep into the Twitter stuff to really understand what I'm saying. It takes a lot to explain, but I'm just exhausted by it. And I, I almost just, I don't know what to do anymore, you know, and, and, um, I don't really know what's going to happen. I do know that, you know, and then we've got the impeachment, we've got Trump. Now the new story is, you know, the old story was, yeah, of course I asked Ukraine to do dirt on Biden. That's what we've always had countries do quid pro quo. And now they're like, oh, no, no, no. We said, can you do a favor for our country? Can you do this? And that's fine to ask. That's not fine to ask. He, it's just, you're not a serious person, if you at all are one of these people that goes, both sides, not both sides. There's a constitution. We're a nation of laws. The president asked for help from a foreign country for his own personal interests to try to find dirt on a presidential candidate. Well, his son did. It doesn't matter. His son. That That is against the law. Or against the, you know, not like the law law, like you're going to jail, but it's a violation of the office. So that's it. The Senate is not going to vote him out. But I do believe it's important to show. I mean, I think these impeachment hearings are riveting, and I think it's important to show people how our Constitution actually works and what is in it and what we are trying to protect this country from, which is a dictator king. And right now we we are failing. I believe, uh, you know, he's soliciting help from Russia. He's already parroting all of Russia's talking points that Ukraine tried to meddle in our election, which is not a thing. He's leaving NATO. I mean, I just feel so hopeless that I'm just sort of clenching and waiting and then also trying to relax when I'm not clenching. And I just, it feels so completely out of control. So I'm just in this weird headspace where I'm sort of half ignoring things And all I can tell you, people, is just listen to what people different than you have to say. Vote like a black woman, if you will. Just please, for the love of God, don't fall for everything and try to look bigger picture. Look at who can actually legislate. Okay, I don't want to get in to a political discussion, but I'm just telling you that this undercurrent, and I think that's why I don't feel very Christmassy this year, is I'm a little hopeless, but not sad about it. It's just, there's just a lack of spark. Does that make sense? There's just a lack of spark in my bark. Um, and, and we'll see what happens, you know. We'll see what happens. Now, let's talk about one of our sponsors. I am going away next week. I am going away to visit my family in Massachusetts. And then I'm going to New York for a few days for a little bonus, bonus last minute uh, trip. So that will be fun. Hopefully keep you posted. Um, And uh, I got my away luggage. I've got my away luggage for the trip. Now, I mean, you can give someone away luggage for Christmas, but I think you should just get yourself something. You know, when you get that holiday money, why not get some luggage? Get $20 off of any suitcase or bag visiting awaytravel.com slash fun. Use promo code fun during checkout. They started with the perfect suitcase, but now they offer a range of essentials, all of which makes travel more seamless. I actually just got their compression bags so you can put your clothes in them and it compresses and you can fit more things in your suitcase. But what's great about the suitcases is that they're lightweight. So you can jam them and you still don't feel like you're carrying this giant heavy thing because you don't really have the weight of the suitcase making you crazy. But they say it's all about the journey. Sure. But when it's holiday travel, the journey is the worst. It's this most stressful, crazy time of year, but Away's products are designed to work and fit together so they make one thing in your life smoother, which is your travel, which, you know, is a big part of the holidays. 
I'm going to be personally checking a bag and then I have my away carry on and then I'm just going to be psyched. And and I love the carry-on that I have. has a little pouch in front, so I put my laptop in it. It's great. Everyone has a unique travel style. Away has a range of suitcases, different materials like polycarbonate, aluminum, durable nylon, colors. There are two carry-on sizes. Whoever you are, whatever you need to pack, whether it's gifts or clothes or whatever, just get there. It's TSA-approved combination locks, four 360-degree spinner wheels, an interior organization system. They're lat. They're designed to last a lifetime, and if anything goes wrong, you can bring them into the brick-and-mortar stores, and they'll repair it for you. You've got a 100-day trial on anything that Away makes. The brick-and-mortar stores are in L.A. and New York, but you can also get free shipping and returns on any order uh, in the lower 48 of U.S., Europe, Canada, Australia. And again, use promo code FUN, awaytravel.com slash FUN, and get $20 off any suitcase or bag. So we have some advice from a listener, and I might be a little late on this. I wanted to read it two weeks ago, but I took the week off for my voice. So um, this is from Argent. He says, Jen, I have a new piece of holiday advice this year for you and all the fun to lose to share, which I actually love that name. We've got I Seem Funners, which are like the OG, which is great. But if you don't want to do that, Calling yourself a funtaloo is fucking amazing because, you know, I say cuntaloo a lot. So funtaloo is fucking great. So everyone start using that. And I really I'm trying to move away from Facebook. So and we're going to get the Patreon going in January. I don't have the info on that yet. But if everyone could leave me comments on the Instagram page at Jen Kirkman podcast, that makes me really happy as well as the having funlessness Twitter because I don't check the Facebook and I really love to feel like there's a community and it really helps other people find out about the podcast if they see your comments. And so at funlessness pod on Twitter and at Jen Kirkman podcast on Instagram, please do go and follow both. I'm telling you, it really, really helps. So, and oh my God, I'm 19 reviews away from 2000 reviews. So 2000 reviews by 2020, go to iTunes, leave me a five-star review, say something nice, say something heartfelt, whatever. I don't care. Just get me, we've got two weeks to get me 19 more. Here's our advice from our friend Argent. This year, my suggestion is SJW, spark joy for winter. A couple years ago, I took a page from the work of the supreme living goddess of finding your domestic nirvana, Marie Kondo, and took a good hard look at my bursting ornament and decoration collection. After the year of gifts, moving homes, oh, after the years of gifts, moving homes, changing tastes and trends, inheriting decorations from family and so on, people like me that love to decorate for the holidays always have the problem of ending up with way too many decorations to either display, store, or take care of. Not only that, sometimes you have bad feelings attached to some of your decorations. They could remind you of a breakup or a loss you haven't worked through yet or any number of things that suck. My holiday advice is to con Marie the fuck out of your baubles and bows. Take stock of how many ornaments your trees or thoughtful glass clutches, if you're a rich bitch, will reasonably hold glass cloches. Sorry. Guys, I'm I'm having trouble. Just the last two weeks, I am just crawling to the fucking finish line. How many doors you want to put wreaths on, how many strands of lights you'll put where, and so on with any type of decoration you have. With that info in hand, then pare down to that amount by using the tried and true method of finding out if they spark joy and or make sense to your decoration scheme or family story. If you want to get new decorations, this tip also applies. Just figure out how to fit in the new ones and make additional room in your existing collection. Now that you have successfully sparked the joy in your holiday festooning, what do you do with all the excess cheer? If you don't have a young person or new family in your world, you can pass these on to their own, oh my God, that you can pass on for them for their own new homes, then donate them. 
Decorations aren't food, they aren't money, and they certainly aren't substantial enough to provide shelter, but they do represent holiday spirit and joy that everyone should be able to see and share with people no matter their personal situations or challenges. Everyone deserves to feel like they are included in the season of goodwill and enjoy a decorated environment that says, people are thinking good things, it's another year, and hope is eternal. Well, that's great, especially after saying I feel a little hopeless. If there is a silver bell with a gold ribbon you no longer want because that guy whose name you refuse to say out loud ever again gave it to you, there's no reason. You can't give it a new home and let it become a shining memory for a child living in a hospital, family treatment center, homeless refuge, women's shelter, while they face the obstacles of disease, poverty, addiction, or abuse. You can make a donation to the organization as well. Um... Blah, blah, blah. So that's my hot tip for 2019. I'll see y'all motherfuckers in 2020. Thanks for letting me share. Bless you, Jenjamin. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Dazzling D-Wall and every other holiday greeting. A positive spirit, community spirit to all and a rich bitch. And to all a rich bitch. I'm sorry I butchered his beautifully written letter. I'm just having trouble breathing and it's making me fucking crazy. (laughs) So there you go. Thank you. Now. My sister sent me a voice memo. My sister, Gail, does not like to sing out loud. She's much like the people in the movie Elf who, you know, were refusing to sing. Although she's a Christmas-spirited person. She's no Grinch. But she just never sings. She's not a hugger. She's not a singer. She's the opposite of JK. I'm hugging. I'm singing. I'm like Elf. She's less like that so she left me a voice memo and you know she had said to me the other day over text that she waved out the window at an inflatable Santa and I said you know that's great she said I'm trying to get into the holiday spirit because she's stressed she works a lot of jobs you know she's gonna have this big big family Christmas party and I said I'm gonna take a cue from you I'm gonna act as if I'm in the holiday spirit even though this year like nothing bad's going on in fact everything's awesome in all areas of life but I'm just like just a little bit like, meh. I like, I just doesn't feel like Christmas. Some years are like that. I, I bet in February, for some reason, I'll feel Christmas spirity. You never know. So I said, I'm going to take a cue from you. So she left me a voice memo. And I said, I got to play this on my podcast. So this is the world debut of my sister singing along. And one of my favorite parts about it, she's singing in a, in a Boston accent. And so here we go. You are in for a real treat. I am about to send you some footage that has never been heard by anyone's ears. And it's very in the Christmas spirit. So you are about to be delighted, I must say. That's the jingle bell rock. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. Jingle bell time and jingle bell time. Dancing and prancing. Pick up your feet. Pick up your feet. Mix jingle and jing. That's the jingle bell. That's the jingle bell. That's the jingle bell rock. I love how she sounds like Seinfeld at the beginning of it. Like, what a bright time. Pick up your feet. That's my favorite part. Sounds like a threat. Hey, jingle hoss. Pick up your feet. We're going to Duncan's. They're closing at five. And you know there's going to be that lady there with the fucking large order. She's supposed to order it on the app, but she won't. And she gets in. What should I get? And there's like doesn't even notice there's a line behind her. Pick up your feet. There she goes. Gail Kirkman, everybody. 
letting herself sing in public for the first time. Who knows? Maybe we'll have a Christmas miracle because of it. Just like at the end of Elf, when everybody sang and Santa's sleigh could fly, maybe... Maybe something happens because she's saying in public. Maybe Bernie Sanders will stop making speeches where he says uh, that there are these establishment Democrats against him. When there anyone in office is establishment and this just these. Oh, my God, I can't. I need a miracle. You guys, I need a miracle. I need an educated electorate. I need people to stop being in such hysterics. I need nuance. I need. I need impeachment to be taken seriously. I need to not have a president who's a Russian agent. I need, I need it. (coughs) Maybe I should just worry about breathing. Well, I feel so lucky because I have these sponsors on this podcast who are teaching me about things I didn't know. I am going to be wearing my Everlane sweaters when I'm traveling. I wear their stretchy work pants. I wear their cashmere sweaters. I have so many Everlane clothes. Okay. Everlane. E-V-E-R-L-A-N-E. Here's the deal. Would you buy a t-shirt for 50 bucks if you knew it only cost seven to make? Well, you shouldn't. You probably are, though. With Everlane, you never overpay for quality clothes. They make premium essentials using the finest materials without traditional markups. And they want to know, you know, they want you to know what you're paying for and why. So they tell you their real costs. They're radically transparent about every step in their in their process. From the materials they use, they're working with ethical factories. They've got Grade A cashmere, quality cotton basics, sustainable silks. They're made at the world's cleanest denim factory. They're Japanese denim, Italian-made leather shoes, outerwear made from recycled plastic water bottles. I mean, everlane.com slash fun, E-V-E-R-L-A-N-E. That's everlane.com slash fun. In 2018, they made a commitment to eliminate all virgin plastic from their supply chain by 2021. You can read all about all of this on their website. See why Angelina Jolie, the Today Show, all love Everlane. Everlane.com. Did I say don't com? Oh, Jen. Everlane.com. Not don't com. Everlane.com slash fun. You're going to get free shipping on your first order, and that's going to save you a bundle everlane.com slash fun. All right, folks. I know this episode has been all over the place. Let's read a listener review. Thank you for reviewing this podcast again. I'd love 2020 by 2020, but we can also shoot for 2000. Jen is a majorly talented comedian and storyteller. This podcast is a great example of both. I highly recommend it. Five stars from Seth A. Lewis. Thank you, Seth. See how easy it is? I mean, this episode is not a good example of being a storyteller. I think next week I might go for like a real story, like an episode that's just that's just one big story or maybe two or three smaller stories. But this week, again, it's been a little bit slapdash, as they say. But, you know, that's just where I am this week. So, I also want to announce my new interview show. We've already sold 10 tickets. It's only a 50-seat venue, so please sell this out because I want to move into a new space for my live shows in Los Angeles. I'm doing a show called Hashtag Real Talk. It's once a month. The next one is January 9th at the Improv Lab. That's a Thursday night. It's 8 p.m. I am interviewing icon, awesomeness, awesome person, Ioni Sky. You're like, who's that? You know her. She was Diane Court and say anything, but she's done a million things since then. She's just the coolest fucking person. And we're going to talk about so many things. We're going to get real. It's not just an interview. It's like you're a fly on the wall to a private conversation between me and a super awesome, funny, famous person. So <clears throat> come to that. We got 40 seats left for you. It's a great little venue, very intimate, cabaret. You can have a drink. You can even eat some nachos, whatever you want. It's just like such a good little after work thing to do. And you don't have to like sit there and laugh. You know how like sometimes going to a comedy show is like something to do? Like you just sit there and just listen and, you know, laugh if you want. I'm also, guys, a good holiday gift. If you know anyone in New York City or Sacramento or San Diego, those are the next three big shows I have coming up. I am in San Diego on Sunday, January 12th, just one show at the American Comedy Company, 7 p.m. Please come out to that. And Sacramento, I have 
five shows from January 2nd through 4th at the Sacramento Comedy Club. I mean, sorry, the Punchline Comedy Club in Sacramento. Oh my God, I'll be so embarrassed if the first of the year, like nobody comes to my shows. Please buy tickets, post about it. Let's get the word out. Everything's on my website, jenkirkman.com, right there on the homepage, or you can click tour if you want to. And then New York City, I'm back at Caroline's. That's my only New York City date this year, May 7th through 9th, five shows. Tickets on sale now. That's a great gift for people you know in New York City. So. What else did I want to talk about? I guess that's it. I'm going to read you this article that I thought was so interesting. Um, here it goes. The new reality of dating over 65. Men want to live together. Women don't. Now, I think, again, this is, I'm, I'm so curious if the planet exists in 100 years. With 100 more years of more and growing gender equality, what will that look like? Because I, this is my deduction, is that women were the homemakers and the caretakers and they cleaned and they cooked. And so men never had to learn to do things like that for themselves, which seemed masculine, but in effect is sort of emasculating when your partner is also your mother, you know, in that kind of way. And so women are like, I'm fucking sick of it. I want my own space. And men are like, but I don't know how to do anything. I mean, this is just very basic, basic gender stereotypes. And so I believe that's what's happening with that generation. I think women just have a totally different view of what it is to live together. And it it's so colored by what they grew up with generationally that we don't even know if that's their true heart. It's just, it's just from like patriarchal ways that men and women used to live together. So here's the deal. I read this, uh, the globe and mail.com Antonio 66 is a believer in marriage. He wed three times and was hoping for a fourth go for more than a decade. Uh, Antonio D'Alfonso. I'll just call him Antonio. He's a Montreal writer. He's been dating a Toronto widow. <coughs> Some inter-Canadian love. The two see each other every couple of months. Antonio wanted more. He proposed five times, only to be rebuffed with every try. The older woman. Well, what does that mean? Older than him? He's 66. How old is she? Why did they call her an older woman? The older woman refused to live with him because she wanted to travel and be free. Antonio said, I have to ask, and I always ask, so what do you want from me? The pair took a two-year hiatus during which Antonio tried dating other senior-aged women only to find that they too were reluctant to share a home. This even as Antonio said he cooks and keeps a tidy house. He's like, I'm a ketchup in here. I pick up my socks. I wear my native deodorant. I don't smell. I'm not putting B.O. in the mashed potatoes. Why don't you gals want to live with me? Antonio said, I really believe that women no longer need men whatsoever. I'm totally irrelevant. <laughs> I think that that is how men feel. I don't think it's that extreme. But when we've been told that we must be dependent on men financially and then we sort of have equality, it can feel like you're irrelevant. But you're not irrelevant. It's that for the better, relationships between heterosexuals are changing to be things that are fun and not survival. And so we're not supposed to feel like we're needed, you know, in that extra, extra way. So... You know, I think it's going to be hard for the dudes for a little while. Uh, it probably won't get solved in this guy's lifetime. Sorry to tell him. Antonio's push and pull with his partner reflects a rift emerging between single women older than 65 and the men they date. Increasingly, these men are encountering resistance from older women who want their own lives, not a full-time relationship. While many in this generation of heter heterosexual, divorced, or widowed women... Oh, while many in this generation of hetero, divorced, or widowed women actually want male companionship, they don't necessarily relish the thought of moving in with a man. 
Today, say researchers, more older women are rejecting the downsides of the live-in relationship, the codependence, the daily tension within close quarters, and the sacrifices made keeping a home, caregiving, and doing the emotional legwork to keep their unions humming. Some of these women completely forego dating while others opt for living apart together, known as LAT arrangements, in which partners in committed relationships choose to keep separate residences. That's my ideal as well. More than 68% of seniors residing alone in 2016 were women, according to the latest census. Widowhood used to account for much of this gender disparity with women outliving men. But now... Choice, divorce is driving the trend. The share of separated or divorced seniors living alone more than tripled between 1981 and 2016. Increasingly, it is personal choice, not death, that sees senior-aged women going it alone, with 72% reporting they were highly satisfied living on their own. Today, this reticence to cohabitate is driving a wedge between the sexes. Many older, heterosexual men still prefer living with a partner. Among senior solo dwellers, men were significantly more likely than women to say they intended to marry or form a common-law union in the future. So what I was saying, my special, I'm going to die alone and I feel fine. Men remarry after... Two weeks because they don't know how to use a microwave. In heterosexual relationships where partners over the age of 65 lived apart, men often assumed that they or their girlfriends would move in eventually, while women clung to the solo arrangement. This is all according to in-depth interviews conducted in 2013 by the University of Victoria. For a generation of older men, traditional live-in relationships remain important because female partners meet so many of their social, emotional, health, and domestic needs. A Montreal filmmaker interviewed hundreds of couples for her upcoming documentary called A Partners, Living Happily Ever After Apart. Women have wider circles of friends. Men don't, so they are relying on women more. For men, often we hear it's not as easy for them to be on their own. A number of social factors have sent women 65-plus hurtling toward independent lives. Chief among them craved financial independence. David Kravitz, author of The New Old, said they've had careers, they're liberated, and they're not dependent on the guy. When they hit this age, they're not going to revert back to being their mothers and their grandmothers. Older women are forging the kind of partnerships they want because society now allows different kinds of relationships. This is Dr. Helen Fisher, a senior research fellow. Fisher herself, who's 74, lives separately from her partner of five years, and she calls it a blessing. I've got a whole social network. I like to go to the theater, the symphony, and to various lectures with friends. He's welcome to come if he wants to. (laughs) I love it. Fisher spends three nights at her apartment in New York and the rest at her partner's home. By this stage of their lives, they both accumulated too much stuff to cram into one residence. She has an office at his house, and he gets half a closet at her apartment. It's almost like a continual courtship, she says. The little things don't bother you because you can just go home. I'm so into this, you guys. Many women resist moving in with men because they remember previous marriages and the unequal division of labor at home. Having a place of their own offers senior-age women time to rest, think, and pursue their interests instead of feeling exhausted by the chore wars. When a guy chatted up a 77-year-old Montrealer named Rhoda at her tennis club, I'm already in love with this bitch, her brain quickly fast-forwarded. Dinner dates will turn into a relationship which will inevitably find her cooking, cleaning, and caregiving for the elderly gentleman. Quote, I don't want to take care of anybody. I want to take care of me, whose husband died two decades ago. You want to be friends and get together when I say it's okay to get together? Fine. But to be in a relationship where I have to answer to somebody else? Been there, done that, don't want to do it again. Also, as these uh, solo dwellers age, the question becomes what happens when they grow frail and need someone to live on? 
It's argued that those who live alone often maintain broader networks of support than married couples do, pointing to international... This is so true. You become dependent on one person instead of learning to spread it out. Partners who live separately for even some portion of the week still tend to each other in sickness and are well-positioned as caregivers because we have our own place to recharge our batteries and avoid the all-too-frequent caretaker burnout. Even so, many senior-age men struggle living alone, growing lonely because they'd over-relied on their spouse to be their best friend and their social coordinator. She hopes these realities will change for men as more people delay marriage and live solo. Montreal's Antonio whoops, is slowly coming around to the living apart setup. He reunited with the reluctant widow, realizing that although she does not want to live under one roof, she remains very committed. I had to reevaluate my own prejudice, my own fears, and my own inferiority complex, he said. Today, Antonio is reconsidering the message he has heard from older women who no longer seek the mantle of marriage. I think that women are asking, I think that what women are asking is that we understand them differently. Beautiful. Look at us. We're all aging and progressing, hopefully, right? Thanks again. Buy tickets to my shows. Use hashtag Jen Kirkman 2019. Social media at Funlessness Pod on Twitter. And at Jen Kirkman Podcast on Instagram. And uh, again, leave me a review on iTunes. And until next week, have fun. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.